Hey guys, welcome back to the Max Spence Business Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, but before we jump into that, if you guys like the content I'm putting out, the people I'm interviewing, please like, subscribe, leave a review. It helps out a ton with the podcast and also the people that are coming on the show. If you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, that helps out a ton as well. So without further ado, today's guest is Jacob Kelly. So he's the owner of Jack Marketing and the host of my Social Life Podcast, where he interviews people that are doing very interesting things in the social media space. It's great having you on the show, Jacob. Thank you, man. I'm really excited to be here. I've been following along from a distance, like we've talked about before. You've interviewed some people that I've interviewed and some of my friends and stuff. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't we jump right into this? Uh, for people that maybe don't know who you are, why don't you give a quick intro, um, you know, a little bit about where, where you grew up and sort of what got you into uh, podcasting and social media? Yeah, I mean, I'll try to make this as fast as I possibly can. Um, so I grew up in Ottawa till I was nine. And then I moved away to Manitoba, literally Manitoba for nine years. So I was just turned 18 and I moved back to Ottawa the day after my 18th birthday. Um, Cause I was going to take marketing at a, at Algonquin college here in the city. I lived with my grandparents, which was part of the reason I moved back here. I didn't have to pay rent or anything. So I was able to go through school without a ton of bills other than paying for school. Um, and then after that, I graduated. I was supposed to go back to school, take a program called Interactive Multimedia Management, but I decided I didn't want to go back to school, so I dropped out. When I dropped out, I reached out to my program coordinator from my marketing program and said, hey, I ended up not taking this postgraduate program. If there's anyone you know looking for someone in the marketing space, like let me know because I'm, I'm not going back. I'm just looking to get in the industry whatever way I can. Same day, I reached out to him, a mutual contact that he had, reached out to him as well, saying like, hey, um, my client, the Auto Sports Entertainment Group, is looking for someone that's recently graduated to put in their marketing department. So the stars kind of aligned there. I ended up getting the job with with the Auto Sports Entertainment Group. Worked with them for that was really my how I really got into social media was with them. I um, spent two years working with the Auto 67s, the hockey team, and then I spent a year running socials for the Red Blacks, the football team. Um, and then about after my first year with the with the red light or with the 67th i decided i wanted to get into the podcasting space i just been listening to a lot of podcasts on my drive to work and stuff and i'd always been interested in brand building and things like that so i decided that i was going to start my own podcast and just see what happens um did not fully understanding what that meant at the time um but yeah and then it was just i listened to a lot of podcasts so i decided to start my decided to start my own so i did um 120 interviews later now still going like you said in the intro my social life podcast and then about yeah, a couple months, at the beginning of 2020, I should say, December 31st, 2019, I registered my business because I knew I wanted to start my own marketing agency um, and take what I've learned with the 67s and the Red Blacks and do that for other clients and do it on my own. Um, and so that's what I had decided to do. And then I ended up working at it on the side while still working for the Red Blacks until June of last year is when I finally took it full time. So about five months after I registered the business. Man, congrats, man. That's awesome. That's great to hear. So like Thank with you. your, with your marketing business, what do you focus on just like uh, paid ads on social media, like Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of stuff, or how, how does your business sort of run? No. So I know you've had Hayden on here and he does paid ads. So I'm kind of the opposite of Hayden. So I do pretty much all organic. Um, and I focus, I, the way I describe myself essentially is I'm a content marketer. So I focus on creating content strategies to help you, um, just to, I manage uh, social media managers, probably the easiest way to explain it. So I manage your social media. I help you schedule it out, plan it, what should we be making? I make some of the content. Um, I'm fortunate enough right now. None of my clients are actually in the city, so it's all remote. So I don't have to be anywhere to take content or take video or anything. I try to stay away from taking the con like videos and stuff. Like I do a lot of graphics more, more than anything. Um, but yeah, so a lot of just the simplest way to explain it is social media management. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty. And with social media, like social media is such a huge 
like industry now there's so many different moving parts of it like for like people like in the social media space you can be a social media creator you can be an influencer you can be you know a content creator you can be an editor you can be a filmer it's like you can be the graphic like if you're doing graphic designs uh, that you know some businesses use for uh instagram and then it's like yeah there, there's there's so much cool stuff that you can do in it um so now now jumping to um so when you decided to pretty much let, let's jump to your podcast now, when, when you decided that you wanted to get into the podcasting space, what, why did you decide to, um, yeah, for, for, for some people that maybe don't know, or, or have listened to other podcasts with the one with Hayden, uh, he was talking about when, um, Hayden was talking about when Jacob went down to New York city and pretty much did, you know, filming with 10 other influencers. So, uh, is that what you did to sort of kickstart your podcast or how, or did you, uh, what, what was the reasoning behind going down to New York, which I find super, super interesting. Yeah. So New York was, was kind of like a goal I set for myself essentially. Um, and so basically, so I did my first, like, I think, so I started my podcast. Hayden was actually my first guest. So that was kind of, and I made sure I batched a couple podcasts. And then as I was going, I saw on Twitter and um, Andy Cranack, who's Gary V's brand director, tweeted like, Hey, Twitter, ask me anything. And I was like, you know, it'd be really cool. Like if I could get this guy on my podcast, but then I was like, I was still pretty early. So I was like, I don't want to try and get him now. Like I would rather wait till I've got a couple under my belt so that when I get the chance to sit down with this, with Gary V's brand director, um, I'm ready. I've kind of sharpened the sword a little bit more than where I'm at right now. So I was like, once I get to 15, like I would feel comfortable having him on the podcast. I was like, Hey man, I've set a goal. Once I record 15 podcasts, I will come to New York. I'm going to do record podcasts there. Um, any chance I can get you on the podcast. And then he said hundred percent and gave me his email and I emailed him. And that was pretty much the genesis of the New York trip. So I supposed to ended up essentially becoming like a reward to myself for hitting 15. Cause most podcasts fail at like eight or third. I don't know what the actual number is, but like most podcasts fail after like their eighth or 13th episode or something like that. And so I was like, why well, can I make it a 15? Like I'm already better than the average podcast in that sense. And so it just became kind of, and it snowballed from there with just reaching out to Andy. And then I reached out to another guy named Parviz Dov, who I used to watch Casey Neistat a lot. And this guy named Dan Mace, and he did some videos with them and he agreed to come on. And then I talked to Hayden about it and Hayden was pretty interested. So I ended up inviting Hayden to come with me. And then we both for the next like two months, just DM'd everyone we could find in New York city, asking to come on the podcast. And then I think it ended up playing out where I think it was after my 21st episode, 20, 20, yeah, 21st episode, I believe, is when we would have went to New York. So 22nd was the first one we recorded there. And so that was kind of the genesis behind the New York trip. It was almost like a reward for getting to a certain point in the podcast journey, we'll say. Awesome. Awesome. Dude, that must have felt amazing when you actually got to like, have had you ever been to like New York before? Or was that your first time there? Never. It was my first time. I think if I'm, it was my first time to New York. I think it was my first time out of the country without like, for lack of a word, supervision. Like I wasn't going with family. I wasn't going with school. Like, I think this is my first real, like out of country trip with a friend. And like, this is my first, and my first time in New York, which is just like an incredible city. It was just, it was an awesome, I think it was like six days. It was great. <laughs> Man, that, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Like that, that, that that's one thing I, I want to sort of talk to you about as well is cause like, um, you know, you're built, you've had a lot of social media influencers on your, on your show. Um, and you're seeing like, uh, with the creation of TikTok, which I, I want to touch on later and stuff and get some of your points of view on that um like th there's a lot of people that are creating in canada that are you know in toronto that are e even in like I i've had people on that are from like windsor and bc and different areas 
Uh, but a lot of people move to LA or Miami to, or, you know, New York city to, you know, sort of, sort of make it big in the social media space. Do you think like, is that with how social media is going, do you think you still need to move to those places to sort of make it big? Or do you think you can make it big in, let's say, you know, like Ottawa or Toronto or Vancouver or somewhere, uh, or you may maybe like Edmonton or somewhere like that. Like what, what are your th- sort of thought processes with that? Short answer is I don't think it's important. I, I think you can become big on social media anywhere on the planet. And that's the power of the internet. You don't need to be anywhere physically. That being said, I just interviewed a guy named Zach Kravitz and he said a thing that was proximity is power. So while it is possible, hundred percent, it is possible to blow up anywhere on the planet. If you're a social media creator, want to be a social media creator. I think that still being in those cities can benefit you. Just being around all those people who are striving towards a similar thing um, can benefit you. But at the same time, like I've talked to people about LA and it's very, it's a much different city than if you grew up in Ottawa, for example. Like I interviewed Joey Kidney, who's a YouTuber from Ottawa, blown up from Ottawa, 750,000 on YouTube, uh, 1.5 million on TikTok. Um, And he said he hates LA. He hates LA just because it's just a different vibe, different answer. People have different attitudes and the way they move is different. Um, so proximity can be power, but it's also depending on what type of person you are, where you're going to move. I def- but like short answer is yes, you can blow up anywhere on the planet. And I don't, you have, don't have to be anywhere physically. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- th- that's what I've sort of seen is, and, and it's uh, something I'm sort of interested in a, a bit was, so like you, you see people, like the majority of people, like sort of like the route that a lot of people choose is like you, you sort of like wherever you are locally, you'll either gain a small following. Right. So maybe that's like, well, by small, like usually like when, when Vine came out, a lot of people got big with, you know, a million, pe- a million f- subscribers on Vine. And then they moved to LA and they started YouTube or they started, um, you know, started to push it into like an acting or something else some other type of career. Uh, now with TikTok, now that's sort of the same thing. You're seeing people growing to like a million or 500,000 or 700,000, but now they're jumping to, um, you know, instead of going into like the acting space, well, some of them probably do still want to do that, but you're seeing a lot of them that are going, just going into LA and just becoming, you know, content creators, like for YouTube, for, you know, Instagram, for TikTok and all these other places. And they're just coming to these house, uh, they're going to like, you know, these TikTok houses. Um, and this is something I, I'm pretty, I've been interested in with Ottawa and Canada is I, I recently had a guy, uh, a gentleman on the show. I don't know if you heard of him called Bruce Firestone. I don't believe so, no. So yeah, so, so Bruce Firestone, he, he's actually the uh, one of the co-founders of uh, the Ottawa, like the, the new Ottawa Senators, like, uh, you know, the Ottawa Senators that are in Ottawa right now. So he's one of the, so he brought the Ottawa Senators because uh, there was the old Ottawa Senators, which is like, I think like the 1920s and then they disappeared. And now like we have the, these Ottawa Senators, right? But anyway, so yeah, so he brought them in and he's like, um, He's also like a real estate developer and, uh, and sort of like a business guy as well, like business mentor. And he was talking about, um, you know, these TikTok houses and he was wanting to see them start, you know, in Ottawa or Toronto or uh, Vancouver, or these other places. Like he, he was looking more for Ottawa because he, he's based in Ottawa. Um, but I, I was also interested in well, uh, interested in it as well. And do, do you think like a TikTok house could thrive uh, in Ottawa, or Toronto or Vancouver? Uh, as well as you, well, I, I mean, it might not thrive as well as let's say LA or Miami or New York, but do you think it's still possible to do? That's a good question. And I want to say, I want to say yes, but I think it would be hard, right? I think like with being like, there's still like an, 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 an appeal to LA, right? Like that's where the entertainment industry is. And I think you could do it in Ottawa, but I think it would depend on actually change my answer. What did my, my real question would be, what would the, what would the definition of thrive be? 
I think at the end of the day, you could do a, a solid TikTok house. Like you have some good creators here in Ottawa who they could find like a two, three bedroom house. Like a lot of creators in Ottawa still work full-time jobs, right? So like you could find three, three, four people in Ottawa who move, move into a house where you could get, depending on the different suburbs, like you could get a, a full-size house for like two grand, move four people in and that's like $500 a month. They could easily afford that if they're working full-time jobs. So I think having content houses in Ottawa is definitely something that could happen. I think in that case though, like it won't look the same as like a mansion in LA. You're living in a, in a townhouse in the burbs, but like it's still possible to do a content house, right? Like I don't think it has to be like, I think right now, obviously people, when you hear the word content house, you think of Hype House, Sway House, all these big TikTok houses, these mansions in LA that these people are living in. But like I said, at the end of the day, like it is actually can be pretty practical to start a content house it, depending on if you can find a couple like-minded creators within your city. Um, and like I said, you can get a, a house in like Barhaven for $2,000. And if you have three, four people moving in there, that's a really practical thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's what we were talking about. Uh, well, like with Bruce Linden is in, and, and, and I, I very much, I, I agree with that. Like I, I, and like sort of looking at, cause I looked into it a little bit more cause I was interested uh, in maybe starting one down the road, but his idea was like from the content creation being more on an entrepreneur house. Uh, and what he was talking about um, was that in LA and Silicon Valley and New York, there's these incubate, uh, incubator programs for like tech startups that, you know, you can go there, you move there, uh, you have your food and your pretty much residence is just paid for. And you have like, and then you're also connected with some really good entrepreneurs in that area that sort of coach you and help you build your startup from the ground up. Um, in, in Ottawa, I, I was, I was really interested in seeing like, uh, cause it, 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 like, I haven't come across one yet in Canada, which I found was a little weird. It's like, why is nobody doing one so far is like, let's say like uh, either an entrepreneur house in like Toronto or your content creation house in Toronto or Ottawa or Vancouver. I was like, but I, I guess like, um, you know, talking about it more is like a lot of people probably move down to LA if they're going to probably do that just because, you know, the proximity to being able to create more and more entrepreneurs and stuff. But I, I, I still think it, it would be very, pro, um, like very actionable to actually have one here. Uh, uh, and, and I think it would be pretty cool to actually see one, you know, sprout up and actually, uh, you know, start. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's possible. I think though people do, once they hit a certain scale, they do go to LA just because that's where entertainment is, right? Like whether, wherever you want to go in entertainment, like LA is a great place to be. And like, I think too, like with the example, I know Joe Rogan since moved, but when he was in LA or even having a podcast in LA, there's so many people cycling in and out of that city in New York as well. There's so many people coming in and out of that city that you can always get interesting guests for your podcast. Like in my case, like I have to do a lot of it. Well, it's all remote now because of COVID, but pre-COVID, like a lot of my guests were starting to become remote just because it's easier to find people. But like in cities like LA, New York, there's just so many people coming into that city that there's so much opportunity that's constantly cycling. So it is possible. I think once people hit a certain scale, they usually look to move elsewhere. Yeah. 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 True. True. So now jumping to your, your podcast now and, and, and building, um, you know, you, you've reached out, you've had a, uh, plenty of great, uh, guests on your show. Um, how, how have you actually reached out to get those people on your show? Have you been leveraging, um, you know, like, so like one connection to another connection or how, how you sort of been doing that? I haven't really. I mean, there's a couple people I've asked for different connections, but never anyone specific. And I try not to ask my guests for introductions just because I want them. I don't want them to feel like I asked them to come on my podcast because I wanted to get to someone else. Like I've interviewed a ton of people on Gary Vee's team or people that have been close to Gary Vee. And I never wanted them to leave the interview feeling like, oh, he interviewed me to talk about Gary and to try to get to Gary. Like, I want to make sure very clearly that I asked it. I asked to interview you because I'm interested in you as a person. Um, so I've never really 
I've done it a couple times. Like I used to do it more so probably a year, year and a half ago. I might start doing it again, not necessarily asking for introductions, but just looking for names of people to have on. No intros, just like some suggestions, people I could reach out to. Um, but for the most part, it's just been asking, <laughs> like just reaching out to people randomly, sliding into DMs, finding their email, finding where they have the smallest social following and sliding into the DMs there. Um, recently I do have a sponsor for my podcast now. Um, so they make some great introductions for some guests on my podcast and they've helped me get some pretty interesting people. Um, but up until getting the sponsor it was entirely for the most part, unless like a guest would introduce me on, on their own. Um, but for the most part, it was just, it's just been all cold outreach. Yeah. Yeah. True. And, and that like, so what I usually, usually like pretty much everybody on my podcast has literally just been from LinkedIn. Like, uh, that's what, like, I, I, I got you from Instagram, but my Instagram following is like super, super low. So it's like, I've reached out to people, uh, on Instagram and it's like, uh, you know, it's, it, it doesn't ever really go anywhere. Whereas with like LinkedIn, you know, I've got like not a huge following, but you know, I've got like a, uh, sort sort of like micro following. And uh, I can sort of leverage that to sort of get different people on the show. Um, so now, now jumping to, uh, I'm interested here. So how did you actually get your sponsor? Are you able to talk about that at all? Or how, how did they reach out to you? Or were you looking at sponsors? Uh, you know, were you looking at having a sponsor join the show or like how, how, how did that sort of happen? Yeah. Um, so they're actually one of my clients and that's how it came to be. Um, and part of, so it's my, my client and my sponsor is true fan. And um, so I work with them. I've been working with them since February. They were one of my first clients. And part of the original proposal, part of the original scope of work for them was I was going to edit their podcast because they had a company podcast at the time. Um, but they ended up pausing it for once COVID hit, things kind of got crazy. They stopped doing the podcast for the second time. They paused it once before. They paused it again. They were having these conversations like, we've got to do a podcast again. Are we going to do the same podcast? Are we going to change up the podcast style? Okay, if we change it, who's going to host it? Is it going to be the same host or is it going to be a different host? Like, how are we going to do it? Like, all these questions. And it was always just like, and then eventually like their CEO, his name Swish, called me on the phone and he was just like, hey, instead of paying you to edit our podcast, can we just pay you the same and you just... And like, we essentially partner with your podcast and make it our company podcast. Um, basically like I, you retain ownership, but just put our logo pretty much on everything and we'll help you find guests and you can promote it on our channels and do all these things. And I was like, of course, like, as long as I'm retaining ownership of my podcast, like it was like, honestly, like a great, it was like a win-win scenario. Like they were just looking, they weren't coming to me to get a ton of views. Like that wasn't their aim. Like obviously it, people finding out about true fan through the podcast is great, but they just wanted to get quality content. And that was the big yeah. thing. And I was able to deliver that. So it just came to, they were, it was, I got to, it gives my podcast a little bit more legitimacy having a sponsor. So just that upfront is great. Plus they're going to introduce me to people. Plus they're going to help me like they'll promote it as well. I mean, technically it's me posting it because I've managed their socials, but um, so all these benefits to me and then they get the, they get the content. So, I mean, it was just a win-win for me. Like I did, there's literally no downside to me doing it. So that's how I got my, my sponsor. It was just, it was through my client. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of sounds like a, a, a micro, you know, like the Joe Rogan Spotify deal <laughs> that sort of happened, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that Joe Rogan retained ownership of like, um, you know, hundred percent or it might be creative ownership. I'm not too sure, but I, I think he uh, retained ownership of that podcast. So, but that, that's pretty cool. And that's, that's awesome to hear that uh, you have a sponsor and that, that um, you know, that, that they started out as your client. So now jumping to, um, I sort of want to ask you about, um, you know, cause you, you've been doing it, uh, podcasting for longer than I have uh, and you're sort of further ahead on the road um, so pretty much how how do you sort of structure your podcast I'm, I'm interested to hear about 
a little bit about that. Like, is it sort of like a conversation? Do you have a very interview? Like, like the, to look at your podcast, like, you know, some people will do, you know, um, you know, this, this is very broad, but some people will do like, Oh, it's like a five minute podcast. That's probably not interview style, but you know, they'll do like a five minute like, and their and their podcast style is sort of all quick. Some will do two hours. Some will do an hour and a half. Uh, some will be very structured in like an interview style and others will just be conversational. So how have you sort of structured your podcast and what benefits have you seen from the way you've structured it? Or have you changed your structuring over the time? I mean, it's changed a little bit, but not a ton. And how I structure mine, like I am crazy in terms of my research when it comes to podcasts. Like my podcast notes, when I sit down to have an interview with somebody, my notes are between five to nine pages, 2,000 to 3,000 words every single time. Um, and that's just because I spend so much time researching and I try to be overprepared. Um, and more often than not, we don't end up t- covering everything on my podcast, on, on my notes. So I know I don't need that many notes. Um, I know I can freestyle if the podcast goes a, a, down a tangent I wasn't expecting, I can still hold the interview. But for me, I try to, my podcast is very structured in the sense that I try to make it as chronological as possible. So we'll start at the beginning, like when you're a kid or whatever, and we'll work our way basically to where you are now, unpacking lessons and different things along the way. Um, and I try to find a couple things that people don't expect me to know. I try to get them to be like, how did you find that? Or what? Like just different reactions. Um, and the reason I do that, and I didn't do that originally intentionally in the beginning, like in the beginning was, I just want to be prepared. I don't want this to go a direction of me not have any questions or anything. Uh, but eventually it just became a way to tell someone's story in a really good way. And then over time I started getting questions over and over again, or not questions, but people being like asking me how I found different things. And eventually like just within my friend circle, people will point that out to like, in most podcasts, someone will say something about the amount of research that I've done. And I've realized that that kind of allows people to open up a little bit more. Cause I've known, they know I've done a ton of research coming into it. They know that, that like, it's not just a random interview. Like I've spent the time to research and ask them about like random, random things. Like back to the podcast I have with Zach Kravitz comes out in a couple of weeks, but I asked him about a commitment letter or he got a recruitment letter, sorry, from UCLA for volleyball when he was 15. He's like never talked about it on a podcast before. He's 28 now, so it's 13 years ago. But I was able to find, I can't remember how I found it, but I asked him about it and he was like, he like slapped his desk. He's like, man, that's crazy. And so it's just like that gives a connection with the guest and allow it makes them more comfortable and they feel like they can open up a little bit more because I'm not just randomly throwing these questions at them. I, I wanted to ask you now uh, about staying sort of with your podcast. You've stayed very consistent with um, pretty much put, putting out your content consistently and stuff like that. So how have you stayed sort of focused and uh, consistent with putting out your content? I think it's a little bit of momentum. I think, cause I haven't missed an upload since I went. So I started a podcast as biweekly and then I went weekly after episode seven cause I was having too much of a backup. Um, and I haven't missed a week since then. I've been every single week over Christmas holidays, over my birthday, every I've uploaded every single week, one podcast, one takeaways since episode seven. Um, and I think part of that's just momentum now. I don't want to, I don't want to have a week where I don't upload. I have such a good streak going. It would really suck if I ruined that streak. Um, and so that's a big part of it. And I think it's just staying on top of everything and prioritizing it. Like if I have to edit or I want to watch Netflix, I'm going to pick editing. Um, I got down really close. I had one week backlog about a month ago and I was just like, my back was against the wall. And I was like, I, everyone keeps pushing to the new year. It's Christmas break and no one can record. And so like my, my backlog of episodes, I try to keep it as a month long was just getting cut down and down and down. Um, and so for me, it's just always making staying on top of 
when do I have podcasts coming up? Where am I at with my research? Who can I reach out to? Have I reached out to them? Who do I need to follow up with? So I have like a, a spreadsheet type thing and an app I have called Notion. Um, and so it's just staying on top of everything and just working at it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, 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 true, true. And that's like, that's what sort of happened. Like, I was very consistent, uh, like, uh, up to a point, and then New Year's happened. Um, and sort of like, uh, I, I didn't have any, well, I, I still had content, but I, I didn't post it just because, like, the location, it's like an excuse or something, but it's, um, I, I, I didn't have a place to go and upload. So it was like hard to do. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll push it to the next and then sort of get like, I find like once you it's sort of like the gym a bit. And it's like, once you like, stop doing it for a bit it's hard to get back into it that i i I don't know if you've seen uh seen that or or like felt felt that before with anything that's like when you sort of stop for a small bit of time and then you try and get back into it it's like hard to get the gears back going again yeah i think you're right and i think that would probably be something i'd have to overcome if i uh if i ever fell behind on my podcast i'm lucky i built up a bit of a backlog now by the end of next week i'll have the first up to the first week of week of march recorded um, but i think you're absolutely right and i think if i did miss i think it would be hard for me to kind of get back into it and i'm the same way with the gym like i try to go to the gym five to seven times a week and that's just because i know if i stop going consistently it'll be easy for me to just to skip it so i just i think consistency is a big thing for me yeah okay okay uh and, and then now moving to um pretty much like I know we touched on a bit there, but like staying focused and staying like uh, with your goals, like, like is your current goal, like with this podcast is just to keep growing and growing and growing it. Or like, do you want to transfer it into like something else or. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know. Um, I think I'm still trying to figure out what exactly it is I want to do. Um, whether it's do the marketing. I mean, if, if you give me the opportunity, if you're like, Hey, tomorrow you can be a full-time podcaster. I'm taking that deal. 100%. Um, so I think in a perfect world, I think my future does involve podcasting or interviewing in some fashion, um, whether that's through my podcast or whether that's an opportunity to do interviewing elsewhere. Um, I'm not, I'm not sticking to just the podcast. Like if there's an opportunity that comes up to host somewhere else or interview somewhere else, like I think I'd, I'd explore that. Uh, but right now it's just sticking with the podcast. And like I said, I think interviewing, I love doing it. So I would like to continue doing it. Um, so hopefully that is in, in the long-term plans. And that's part of the reason why I'm able to stay consistent because I like it so much. And I'd like to keep it a part of my life in a bigger sense professionally in the future. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So w- w- with your marketing coming, do you still want to keep that or w- would you want to, y- do you want to sort of have them in tandem or like r- r- right now, j- just sort of spit on like what, 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 what would be like the ideal situation that you'd love to, that, that you'd love to see happen? I think in a perfect world, I don't know if it is doing the marketing agency. I love doing the marketing. I have some great clients. I'm not saying I'm like, I'm going to shut it down next week. Um, but I think like the ideal scenario is like if the podcast is bringing in enough to be the full-time thing, that would be fantastic. Um, I started a YouTube channel, like my ninth YouTube channel, but I started a new YouTube channel. I launched it this week and it's centered around um, like documentaries about online creators that I, I just do by myself. Um, and so if I could kind of do those two things in tandem and have money coming in that way, which then would also open up some freedom and flexibility to explore other things creatively. Um, I think that would be kind of like the dream scenario right now, but you could ask me that in two months and I would have a 100% completely different answer. I feel like I changed my mind all the time. Yeah, no, I'm the exact same. Like I, I, I like, I'm, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I, I, I see something new and it's like exciting and it's fresh. And then you go after it and you chase it and you start going through the process of it. And then you're like, yeah, this is interesting, but like, there's that other new thing over there that seems even more interesting. And you just keep continually jumping and jumping and jumping where I've sort of been over the past couple months trying to be stick, stick with something. Uh, have, have you sort of done the same thing or, or are you sort of like, do you say, do you sort of let yourself just go and sort of 
taste all the different things or, or are you sort of narrowing yourself down now into like specific sort of industries or uh, businesses? I think I was narrowing myself down. I think I was trying, I think I was like narrowing myself to being like this social media business guy. And I think now kind of end of 2020, early 2021, I had the kind of like the realization of like, maybe I don't want to do that forever, right? Like maybe I can explore other things and other interests. So I feel like I've, I've jumped around like within that bubble of social media and business, but I feel like now I'm kind of letting myself explore other things outside of just that specific industry. Um, but I'm, I have tried a bunch of different things, like whether it be like posting on TikTok or this podcast or like all the different YouTube channels I've started in the last five years. Like I definitely have jumped around a little bit. And I think like I found a thing with the podcast that I like to do. And like we just talked about, I've been consistent with it. So I have my thing that is a podcast that I can be consistent with, but also have used the extra time to expose other creative elements. So be consistent with whatever it is like whatever you pick and then use the free time that you have to kind of explore those other little things. I'm not jumping fully to different interests. I'm just trying to incorporate them a little bit on the side, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you still have your main business, which is your podcast and your marketing, but then you on the side, you know, if you have the extra time, you'll taste like sort of try something else, right? Maybe try a different business. So like, I, like as a, per, have you been more uh, creative as a person? Like, are, are you, do you like to be more creative uh, or are you more like, um, you know, like in, in the process of like building a business or do you like the more the creative side of a business? I think I am more creative. I think I had to have a little bit of that business side, but I think I have like a drawing, like I'm drawn to be creative, if that makes sense. Whether that be through this YouTube videos that I've made, or I really like something I was really interested in that I've stopped that I'm trying to start incorporating in my daily routine now is writing and like creative writing. Um, growing up, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be like a director of movies, but I never really pursued that very much. Like I never did drama in high school. Like I think I was just clung to the identity of like, I am an athlete and athletics was a huge part of my life. And I wouldn't change that, but creative writing was something I was interested in, but I never let myself pursue that in any way, shape or form. Um, so I think that that's something that I'm kind of like leading towards a little bit, something I'm just trying to incorporate into my, you know, I honestly, if I'm being completely honest, talking about blanking, I forget your question at the, but can you like remind what the question was? Yeah, no, 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 no problem, man. Dude, uh, I, I think I probably structured it a little bit wrong. I, I, I go over the place when I'm talking and it makes, sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but no, I, I was sort of trying to understand is like on a deeper level, you as a person is like, are, are you, do you like to be more creative? Uh, and, and I would probably say just from how, like what I've got so far, far from you, I would probably say, yeah. Or, or are you more like the business uh, analytical side um, that, that you're interested in more? I think I'm definitely more creative and I, in that sense. And I think that the the business side is something I'm still capable of doing and something I'm interested in. And I think I go back and forth between like what my interests are. So I have a bit of both for sure. I'm definitely not completely leaning to the creative side. I'm definitely not leaning all into like the analytical business side, uh, but I think I have a decent balance of the two where I can understand both sides and I can play in on both sides as well. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and this is a, another interesting question. Um, so with like partnerships and everything that happens with those like uh and, and i know uh, you listen to some people like gary v gary v's like he will do partners like he's done partnerships in the past but like with his uh social media companies like he, he he sort of loves being mainly in charge and he's he's bought his brother out of the business uh but like do, like would you want to be sort of like because i'm always interested in sort of how, how people pair themselves with other people right like if you were like what, what would be your next step with pairing yourself with somebody else like would it be a more business analytical would it be a creative some like sales uh, would it be like a manager uh like what, how, how would you sort of pay yourself for your uh, marketing business specifically on the business side yeah i don't think there is anyone i want to pair with because i don't want to grow it 
beyond just me um, for multiple different reasons. Um, I think when I, I enjoy it right now, it's hard to scale yourself as well. Like my clients work with Jack Marking, but they're working with me one-to-one. It's hard to, it's hard to kind of scale yourself to the rate of scale for an agency doesn't change. So for example, say I can take like seven, eight clients myself. If I hire someone, I have to make sure I'm adding seven, eight clients after that. If I'm going to hire a third person, I gotta make sure there's seven, eight clients after that. Um, so, and I don't, I don't feel the fire to try and grow an agency. And I feel like that's not going to be fair to future clients or if I have employees or anything, if it's not where my heart is. And so I'm not, like I said, I love what I do. And so I'm not saying my heart isn't in my agency, but I think if my heart wouldn't be in trying to grow it. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I, I think I'm going to run it as a company of one. And on top of that, part of the reason too, is by it being a company of one, I have the freedom and flexibility to kind of do what I want, if that makes sense. Like obviously I still have to deliver on the work and everything, but if I want to work on something in the middle of my day, I can do that. If I want to have a podcast in the middle of my day, I know I can do that. If I want to pick up like in a non COVID scenario, pick up and go to Vancouver for four weeks, just because I want to work at a Vancouver, I can do that. I don't have employees or I don't have any like dependents within the company that I have to worry about. So I do it one, because I don't think my heart would be in trying to scale the agency specifically. And two, because I just, I enjoy the creativity and the freedom that I have running it as a company of one. Yeah. Yeah. True. And, and that's, that's what I've sort of like, I, I, I had a lawyer on the show and he runs his own like own law firm, law firm, sorry. Uh, and he, he's pretty much, uh, you know, he, he's just a one man show. And then he has like one of his friends is actually, he, he runs another law firm and this guy's got, I think like 20 to 30 law, like associates under him, like working, working in a partner and stuff. And uh, like something that he would always say is like, uh, you always think grass is greener on the other side sometimes. Uh, but he says like, he, he loves being the solo operation. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's not too fun. Cause it's like, it'd be nice to be able to pass off something that's pretty tedious off to somebody else. Uh, but he says he, he loves it because it's like, you know, like you were saying, is you have the complete freedom to do what you want. Uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, like having, you know, an employee or employees that you have to make sure that there's enough pay coming in uh, to support them and their family and a whole bunch of other stuff that goes along with having employees um, instead of just having the freedom to pretty much just, you know, pursue what you want to do inside that business. Uh, so like, ha- have you been able to travel so far w- with your with your business and go to other places uh, at all? And Unfortunately not. Um, just with COVID and everything, like when I took it full time, it was like peak COVID, um, or like when it first hit. And so I haven't been able to travel really anywhere, which is unfortunate. Um, cause the original intent behind the business, like once I'm full time, I don't, I'm like, I'm not stuck to any city. Like I said, none of my clients are in Ottawa. So even if there wasn't COVID, I wouldn't have to be here technically. Um, and so I would love to do like the long distance travel, like different city for a couple months, like two, three, four months and just kind of experience different cities around the world and live there. Um, but because of COVID, like that just hasn't really been an option. So I've been stuck in Ottawa the entire time I've had the business. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. That, that probably in the net, not the best time for traveling right now. <laughs> well, you can't eat, you yeah, can't no, travel. Probably home, right? not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, m- m- uh, moving to, uh, I-, I sort of want to, uh, before we end here, uh, just because the, the internet's starting to go a bit, uh, I want to talk quickly just about, uh, the documentary that you had come out. Um, and what was the reason behind actually doing a documentary on David Dobrik? Yeah. And so kind of a long story, but I have one viral podcast on YouTube with a YouTuber named Just Dustin. It has 820,000 views. And so I was like, well, that's it. I just got to interview popular YouTubers. And then the YouTube algorithm is going to pick it up and it's going to be great. Um, obviously getting big YouTubers on the podcast is easier said than done. So I was like, what if I did my research for a podcast, but instead of interviewing someone, I like presented it and used all of my research to 
to kind of back up what I'm saying. And so it was kind of an idea I had and I like explored the, the um, like the YouTube space and seeing like, did these video type of videos work? And I noticed that long form videos like that do work. They get longer views, um, longer average view. People come back for repeat views, like things that you, the YouTube algorithm likes. I mean, I thought it was something I could, that I would have a skill, like the skills that I've developed with the podcast would lend itself get well to that. So I figured, you know what, like, I'm just going to try it. And I had a, made a list of people that I could do it with. David Dobrik was interesting. I'd never watched him before. I didn't really know much about him. I knew he was a vlogger and they were all four minutes and 20 seconds, but that was kind of the end of the end of my knowledge of David Dobrik. So I was like, I'm going to do David Dobrik because I'm going to come with a clean slate. I think this could be fun. Um, and it kind of let me scratch the creative side a little bit because my podcast, yes, it's creative, but I have it. It's very formulaic at this point. So I feel like I don't get to be extremely creative with the podcast. So with this documentary, it allowed me to be a little bit more creative. Um, and like I said, growing up, I wanted to make movies. I wanted to write. I wanted to be a director. So like this kind of lets me make movies, quote unquote, um, at home. And so I figured I'd give it a shot and it would probably play well with the YouTube algorithm is something I enjoy doing. I enjoy the YouTuber space. Um, so I just figured I'd give it a shot, see what happens. Um, and I'd like to continue doing them. So it has a decent reception so far, just from the people that have checked it out. Um, but it was literally just like, I wanted to be creative and this was an idea I had. So I figured, you know what, I'd rather just give it a shot. And if I like it, I'll keep doing them. And if I don't, then I'll let it be a one hit wonder, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, I find that really interesting. And, and you know, for, for some people that maybe struggle to put out content and you just had this idea and you were like, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go and shoot it. Right. And I'm just going to go and do it. Uh, so like behind that, like, did, did you have any struggles with actually putting this documentary together at all? Or um, like, what, what was one of like the hardest points throughout the, having the documentary while producing it? I mean, it, was, it took me two and a half months from starting to figuring it all out or to, to releasing it. And I think one of the hardest things, I mean, just editing, it took forever. I had like seven hours of footage of just me. Like it took me three days of sitting down in my kitchen recording, like just talking to the camera for, it was like seven hours worth of that. Um, and then I had to go and find all, so I had all the footage just for my research because it was somebody I do my podcast. Um, but in timestamp, like I'd, I'd listen to a one hour interview with David Dobrik and I'd like have all these notes written down and I, I used, I would like take the footage from the interview and I'd put it in my documentary to kind of like, again, back up what I'm saying or contextualize different things or move the story forward. Um, and I didn't timestamp everything. So I was like rewatching all these podcasts, trying to find where he said a specific thing so I could clip it and put it in my video. So that was tough. And then like, so it was just like a grind to get to that point. And like, obviously over the course of that long edit, like I probably put time, like 40 to 50 hours total into from beginning to end of this project, if not longer than that. And there's obviously there's going to be doubt. I'm like, is anyone going to like this? Am I doing all this work to get like 33 views on YouTube? Like, why am I doing this? Like, of course you're, there's those like doubting questions, but I just powered through. And I think the hardest one where I was going to upload it it's an hour and a half long. I schedule it. Two clips are copyright claim. The video is blocked across around the world. No one can watch this video in the current form. So I had to go back and I had to re-edit parts and going back after thinking I was done editing and having to sit down and find new clips that talk about the same thing that I talked about, but from a different interview or a different source. So I had to find these clips and then I had to fit them in there. So it still made sense. And so re-editing, it was just kind of like, I thought I crossed the finish line and the finish line just moved further ahead of me. And I had to go back and redo some stuff. Um, so there's definitely struggles of just trying to get it across the finish line, I think, and actually shipping the documentary. Uh, but I'm, I'm super happy I did it. And I've already, I already started working on the next one. So yeah, there's definitely some struggles and some doubt, doubting myself with points, but I think it was worth it in the end. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and that sounded like I I I I love the per perseverance that you have through going through that, like doing all that work and then having it freaking copyrighted and banned across the world. You must have been like <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like 
I remember like I, so I uploaded it on like a Wednesday. It was going to come out the Friday and I, I like, I, so I scheduled it and I look at this copyright strike and I clicked on it and it was like, like worldwide ban or something. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like no one can watch this video anywhere. And I was like, Oh, and I was like, and then I was even worried. I was like, did I just copyright like strike my channel? Cause I was like three strikes or whatever. And, and they delete your channel. And I was like, that's a great way to start. And I checked my email. I didn't get any copyright strikes or anything. It was just blocked worldwide. Um, and so that's a, that was super unfortunate. It still has a copyright strike um, or copyright claim, not a strike. So because of the music in it, because I use clips from David Dobrik videos and he uses a lot of copyrighted music, so I couldn't get around it. Um, so it's banned in like um, North Korea and like three other countries. But other than that, like it's everyone can view it. And if I were to get to a point where I could put ads on it, I wouldn't collect any of the ad money. It would go to whoever has the copyright on it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a grind, but I'm very happy that I put it out. I think I would have been upset if I just stopped doing it. If yeah. I was just like took it 95% of the way and I was just like, and then just didn't put it out. I think that would have been worse than having to re-edit it. So I yeah. tried to think of myself like in like 40 years writing the autobiography of my life and like how, how will this, if this chapter, this story I'm writing right now of this documentary, the chat, it'll, it'll have a terrible ending if, and I just gave up yeah. versus, and I went back, you know what I mean? Like I try to think of it in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just kind of, I, made sure I got done because I knew I'd be happy once I finally put it out and I'm stoked that I got to release it and I've got some pretty nice, some nice feedback so far. Yeah. 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 No, no, no that's awesome. That That's great to hear. But yeah, like, like you were saying is um, like, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're already there, it's like, and, and I sort of look at that in my own sort of view of, of life is like doing stuff like this. It's like, you've already put all the time and effort into actually doing it. Uh, just ending it right there is like, it would be so like disappointing to have happen to you. Uh, but like now with it, it's, it must be like, you must have systematized it. Like, it must be so much easier to do these doc, like not easy, but like a lot easier. Right? Cause you've, you know, you, now you've timestamped and all these other things that you're using to actually make it a lot quicker. Uh, so like, and, and the interesting, and the reason I bring that up is like, um, like, when I was, when I was talking to a guy on the, on the podcast and um, he was talking about funds and when he first started his business, um, it took him like, he said, it took him like seven hours to register, register his business, uh, and do a website. And now it's taking him like, you know, it, it can take him like 30 minutes to register a business or register a fund or, or whatever he needs to do. And it like, he does it so quickly, but it's like those beginning steps are so hard, but once you get over that hurdle, it's just so much easier going downhill pretty much. Yeah. It's just experience, right? Like every, it's always going to take you longer the first time. So that was another thing I tried to remind myself as I was like going through, I was like, this is taking forever, but I knew two, three, four, five, like it's, it's only going to get, I'm going to expedite that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, we're, we're coming to the end here. Uh, where can people find out more about you, uh, your documentary, your podcast, uh, if they need marketing services, where can they find out all about that stuff? Yeah. So the easiest way I'm at the Jacob Kelly on all social platforms, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, if you want to follow podcasts, my social life is a podcast, everything you can find it through my profile on Instagram. So at my so or at the Jacob Kelly, um, documentary, you can either search it up on YouTube. If you search up, uh, David Dobrik documentary, I think it's the third listing, or you can just search up tomorrow night with David Dobrik. And I believe that will be the first listing there. Um, it's a picture of David with a flamethrower on a red background. That is the thumbnail. If you want to check that out, but like I said, you can head to my profile at the Jacob Kelly on Instagram and everything will be there. If you can't find it, feel free to DM me and I can send you a link. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, uh, Jacob, for coming on the show. It's been great talking with you. Oh, I had a blast, man. I'm, I'll, I'll, anytime you want me back, I will always be back. I had a ple- it was a pleasure, man. Thank you.